All right. I told you that I was not going to, every time we sign on, say, here we are with episode number blank. Yeah. Here's we're, number we're, blank. Here's number uh -huh. blank. But again, at the milestone ones, I just wanted to mention it. So this is episode 30. No way. Yeah. Episode 30. No way. That's crazy. So that's yeah. 30 weeks. I mean, that's nuts. Yeah. And I think we took one week off, I think, yeah. around around Christmas time or maybe New Year or something like that. But yeah. Wow. Way to isn't go, that, us! Isn't that crazy? I mean, that that's uh, that's more than more than half a year now. That's bizarre, actually. Isn't it crazy? I mean, what's really crazy is I kind of stopped and thought about it. We're almost halfway through 2022, and it feels like it just started. I know it's crazy, isn't it? It's yeah. it's it's interesting when I think back about um, my life timeline up until 2020. Like, I feel like there was like a two year time warp between COVID you know, 2020 yeah. and 2021. Like it's, it's hard for me to remember now whether things were pre COVID. That's, right. that's kind of, that's kind of how I, I shouldn't say that. I, I actually, that's, that's kind of what's helping me remember things right. because there was such a time warp there. It's almost like the Bible, right? BC <laughs> and, and AC. It's, it's like, it's like the same thing before COVID after COVID. Yeah. That's how, that's how like, like, I feel like that's how I'm remembering things now in my life. I'm like, no, for freaking, sure. For like, sure. Was that, was that before it, COVID? Yeah. If it was 2019 and before, like it, I felt like it was normal, right? Yeah. Anything that was twenty and twenty at you know and after has been somewhat driven by COVID. Yeah, so it's bizarre. Yeah, for sure. By the way, I'm not wearing all of this Kansas gear. Yeah. To torture I you, I yeah. promise. I promise, I'm not. It's okay. <laughs> but I am I, wearing it to torture our guest. Yes, I, I have no hatred for Kansas. Actually, coming up, coming up, um, uh, in about oh twenty or thirty minutes, we're going to talk with Jason McCannon who is the owner, founder of Fire Cornhole. So he's one of the Fire. big bag manufacturers in the sport. And just so happens that he is also, like Bernie, a huge North Carolina Tar Heel fan. So, mm -hmm. that's, so I'm not doing it to you. I'm doing it to him. Yeah, it's... Uh, Maybe a little yeah. bit to both of you. Yeah, it's it's okay, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm happy I'm with how last sure year... That. I'm actually happy with how last year ended because it was a it was yeah. a train wreck midway through the season so it was all gravy yeah well and you guys had a ton of milestones i mean and and just and just as, as you've mentioned numerous times just to single-handedly hand coach k his final loss at home and his final loss ever i mean that's that's a pretty big that's a pretty big win i know you'd like the national championship too but that's a pretty big win right there sure i mean and the bookend right his first loss was to north carolina oh that's right yeah i always forget that you say that yeah. so you know he can just take it all right, so we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk with Jason McCannon, Fire Cornhole, coming up here in about uh, twenty or thirty minutes. But uh, man, so much to talk about. What what a huge week! Um, I'm not even sure where to start. I mean, I, I feel like during the week I always just kind of write down a bunch of stuff, mm -hmm. and um, and we just kind of we, we're going to talk about cornhole, aren't we? We we're are. Prop, we're, we're we are. I, I, I got to tell you, I mean, there's it's just you know during the off season, quote unquote off season, and I feel like we had a couple long breaks in between nationals. Right. Um, where it was kind of fun to talk about all kinds of other stuff, but I feel like there's so much going on right now. But um, I, I guess I, I mean I'd love your overall thoughts of Dallas and just what you know Stacy thought and Trey and you know what some of the ACL uh, thoughts were. I always like to kind of pick your brain and see, you know, what was kind of the reaction. I got to tell you mine real quick. I, I loved being in Dallas, Bernie. I mean, I, I thought it was it was so easy to get to. Uh, not yeah. for everybody. Everyone has travel issues when you're traveling. You know, hundreds of people. I get it. But but it was super easy to get to. It's centrally located. It seemed like we had a really great talent pool of players. 
Now, a lot of that might have had to do with the fact that it was the first pro shootout, but um, and and the venue, even though we started out with some with some hiccups because uh, you know the space wasn't as large as they thought it was going to be, yeah. and we kind of got pushed into that basement area. I actually thought it worked, and I thought the level of play was extremely high. I love being able to walk around and talk to all the players. Me, for me personally, broadcasting it, um, I actually really enjoy the weekend. I thought I thought it was it was it was so much fun to be there. Yeah, it's you know it's funny you ask about the ACL reaction. I don't know anymore. I'm so far on the outside now. Now that I'm not in the office every day, and I'm not in Charlotte or Rock Hill, I'm so out of the loop, man. I'm so far out of the loop nowadays. Like I, I, I just like I show up when we have to be somewhere every now, you know, I try to get back as much as possible, but yeah. you know, now that we're in our travel period, that's really going to be hard because come back here, then we're gone the next week. It's hard to go to rock Hill. I don't yeah. really have the time. So I'm, and if you're not in that office, it's so strange how it works. If you're not in the office, you're not privy to those conversations. You're out of the loop, completely out of the loop. Yeah. So, that, I mean, I, that's, that's, that's kind of the way that I felt um, prior to this year. You know, when I was just basically just doing the national broadcast, I felt like I would fly in. Yeah. Um, you know, prep that day, uh, watch a little bit and then do the broadcast and then boom, gone the next day. So I've really enjoyed being able to just, you know, absolutely immerse myself yeah. in the entire culture and the entire weekend, especially something like this. It was so huge because it was the pro shootout, the first one of the year, obviously, combined with an open. Yeah, I, so, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. It, it depends who you talk to, right? It depends what level that you speak with regarding tournaments. If you talk with Stacy about the grand scheme of things and some dealings with the professional bull riders associated, those guys, I think yeah. it went very well. I think he was fairly happy with how everything went. Now, you talk to people that had to deal with the putting together, you know, the actual logistics and putting everything together to make it happen. I don't think they were as excited about how everything played out. So it really, it really kind of depends on who you speak with. So, by the way, real quick on the bull riding thing, mm -hmm. I had no idea that that world was to that level. Obviously, I've heard of the PBR and um, have watched it a little bit, um, but to see the spectacle yeah. that was the PBR for their World Championships for that week in Fort Worth. That was incredible. So Dickie's Dickie's Arena is where we were down in Fort Worth, Texas. Mm -hmm. And from the outside, it looks like Allen Fieldhouse. Looks like it was built in the 50s, right? Right. Oh, yeah. You walk inside, and it looks like Charleston Place. It looks like the Belmont Hotel downtown Charleston <laughs> with the crown molding and the chandeliers. I mean, the suites have been done to to just an extravagant level. Yeah, with, I, I didn't see that screens. part of it. Oh, I, my gosh. Well, I, I, the last I never day, made it out of the bowels of uh, Dickie's Arena, so – uh, Kat Halbert, Tanner's wife, uh, took me because she, she's been kind of the liaison between sounds like anyway, the liaison between the PBR and the ACL. So her and Tanner, a bunch of people got, got kind of a backstage tour, got a chance to see the dirt and all that kind of stuff. So I missed, I missed out on that cause I was busy, but she took me on a quick little tour just around the arena and to see inside those suites and to wow. see, I mean, these, this, this big, huge jumbotron they have, right. That Dickie's arena has. I mean, that, I, I know firsthand from working with universities, when you get that LED ribbon and those LED scoreboards, it's millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. But these sweets with the crown molding and, and chef-quality food, and I mean, chef-quality food prepared fresh for all these people, like like the money that is in PBR for the fans, like I didn't realize, I mean, this we're talking, we're talking a high level mm 
oh yeah uh, very affluent population that follows you know the pbr and it was it especially, was fantastic it was really cool in texas especially in texas that's true right? yeah you know you get uh, that's that's a lot of oil money bouncing around that's, <laughs> that's a lot of money rodeo, that's in that's in the rodeo circuit there you know there's a really good documentary and i cannot remember the name of it i believe it's on netflix and it's about the bull riders themselves yes and who they are and uh, yep. the injuries they deal with and all it's a really good documentary actually is that I've, the same one where they talk about the guy who was actually stabbed by a horn through the chest or through his back probably, and then went through his, yeah probably i, I mean because they, yep. they talk about all the injuries and how the surgeons that are kind of on that tour you know compare you know yeah. There's no sport that compares because the the massive traumas that they have oh. are well are well beyond what football and hockey other con, other collision sports have. So it, it's an interesting documentary and what they you know what they're going through the injuries that they have while they're riding these one ton vicious animals right yeah. like it's it's crazy but uh, yeah it's we'll see what happens it sounds like uh, there might be some things in the future between the ACL and the PBR. So, I mean come on fans of professional bull riding and cornhole and sure. i mean it's just like it's perfect right i mean it's like just yeah. it's a perfect like like long lost cousins who found each it other was. this past week and they're, they're like man that's so cool how do, how do you do what you do and then you know on the other side how do you do what you do i mean it's yeah. really kind of cool to see the the mixing of the two yeah i don't know if you noticed but you would see especially during the broadcast did you see a lot of the riders kind of coming in on i the did side? yeah just yeah. kind of checking things i think they were riders but I, you know, just kind of checking things out, seeing what all the hubbub was about. So that was cool. I mean, it, it, it felt weird to me, to be honest, to be just kind of relegated to the bowels of the arena. Right? That was strange. But yeah. I mean, I was, you know, it, it went off well. I think, you know, the broadcast went well, you know, on the women's side, having two women that hadn't been there before broadcast wise. So that was pretty cool. I, mean, I guess Chelsea Hubbard had been on a broadcast in the co her college tournament that she was in right a couple of years ago right but uh as far as the pro division you know i don't i don't know if chelsea had won any matches this year in pro singles so yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure of her right to, to get to the point to where she makes a broadcast in the semifinals in her first shootout or the finals in her first shootout is pretty cool for her and deborah odom who's such a great lady getting to her first broadcast was cool but then you know giant yeah. renner giant renner so all right, so while you brought her up, so again, another reason why I really wanted to do this podcast was to be able to, you know, talk about some of these players. Because again, you know, I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off behind the scenes trying to meet some of these players that I've never met before. I mean, sometimes it, as many of the players that I have met, um, I still get, you know, some surprises. There are still some people like Joe Neistat, never had a chance to talk to him um, until this weekend. But uh, so you get these great stories and you mentioned Deborah Odom, but first just going back to Chelsea. So she's from gray, Georgia. She's only 20 years old. The gray Georgia area sounds like it's outside of Macon, but um, yeah, massive, massive town. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So <laughs> she was part of the 2020 college championship. She was playing for middle Georgia state mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. with Michael Radney. And now she's at central Georgia. Um, and she wants to be a radiology tech. So, I mean, mm. she's been playing since the seventh grade. Her mom, Tracy, made the drive all the way with her. She's been in dance since she was four years old. Um, we talked about that for a while because my daughter, Noelle, I mean, she was part of that that world. I mean, we all were. I mean, when, you're, when your daughter's sure. in it, the whole family's in it. So we were, a whole, <laughs> we were a part of that that whole world. But, but I mean, Chelsea is just a great person. And then Deborah, you know, for those who don't know, like, I, I thought Deborah was fantastic. I mean, she really played her ass off. 
Yeah. So she's from Iola College, uh, near the College Station area. It's about three hours away from from Fort Worth. But, um, you know, just a few notes. I mean, some of these I got a chance to talk on the broadcast. Some I didn't. But, the, you know, her biggest, her big, two, two big notes on her. One is that she really credits her entire career to Eddie Grindersleeve, A.J. Sims, and Josh Gross. I mean, these yep. three guys took her under their wing, basically, and she says this, you know, as their mom. And, right. and they travel with her. They share rooms. I mean, they they literally treat her like like they're like she's their mom. They right. they make sure that she has you know uh, travel back and forth. You know where are you going to eat? I mean, they literally take care of her like she's one of their own. But basically, her big thing, which I thought was interesting, she spent twenty seven years as as uh, you know playing playing horseshoes. Yeah, and she got all the way up to number three in the world mm-hmm. on the women's side, and then all of a sudden decided to give it up for cornhole. Which, yeah. I, which I thought was a really interesting story. Even her bags have have interlocking horseshoes on them. Horseshoes a lot heavier than a bag. Yeah, and further too. It's like forty yeah. something feet. Yeah. So that's uh, we, there's another really good player on our tour that uh, has a history in horseshoes. There's several. Yeah. Matt, Matt, Matt guy. Matt guy. Yeah. So Ryan Ryan Smith. But Deborah Odom, I got to know a little bit for the first time when we were on our college tour last year in College Station. And she came out and was kind of helping people when they were doing the contest, trying to hit airmails, like how to throw a bag properly. And she was such a cool lady. And it was great to have her around. So it, yeah. whatever success she has, I'm going to be very happy to see it. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, was, she was such a great um, player to talk to. I really enjoyed meeting her. So uh, t- two more real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Tanner Halbert. Yeah, uh, I, I'm so impressed with him, and uh, I love that dude. I, I just finally got a chance, really, to meet him this year. Um, I know he won back in 2019, uh, before the divisions were made. But 2019 was also before I had joined. I, I didn't jump into this world until 2020, so I really didn't know Tanner Halbert at that high level. Right. But man, is he playing good! And he's just another great example of this world, you know. And while while we're starting to get more and more players who are professional cornhole players. Uh, the vast majority still have jobs and I don't right. know how many people in the, in the world, in the, in the cornhole community who, who play against him know this, but he's, he's a city inspector down in Lakeland, Lakeland, Florida. And hmm. uh, I mean, so he basically, you know, goes around anytime something you know new is built, whether it's a driveway or whether it's an intersection, he's got to go and inspect it. But you know, it just, it just goes to show you that so many of these people have real jobs, right. And real lives yeah. and, and the dedication that they put in the sport to be able to travel, on the weekends and play, but man, Tanner Tanner's playing so good. I'm not sure how they do it. I don't know either. I really I'm not don't. sure how they that allow them. Yeah. Well, I think that's to your point. I think that's why this rookie class, some of the kids have been so dominant because they yes. don't have jobs. They don't have to spend all those hours working. A Matthew Creek killer, for example, he did. You know, he he had hours and hours and hours to himself to practice. Yeah. So it makes sense that you have these people burst on the scene because they just simply have more time to play. But yeah, to your point, the way that some of these folks are able to kind of massage the job so they can have the time to play in these nationals and now the shootouts, I mean, that's a lot of time. It's a lot of time away from home. And a lot of travel and a lot of money. I mean, we know how much these plane tickets are. Yeah. Those bag manufacturers spending a lot of dough. Well, you know, when we talked to uh, Jason McCannon again, come on up here in about 10 minutes, uh, Jason and I had a conversation earlier this morning. You know, that's that's going to be the future of the sport. You know, the, the winnings, the winnings are good. The money to get from the winnings. But the future of the sport is going to be the sponsors. 
And, you know, we, we've got a lot of work to do in that area to try and make sure that we're trying to, you know, lure in some more sponsors. And a lot of that responsibility falls on the players as well. And, and we, you know, Jason and I had a good conversation about that today. But all right. So speaking of, all right, one more player as far as Dallas goes. And then I want to get back to the kids because we got to talk about Alex Hicks. Sure. But, but, but real quick, I wrote this down because I didn't, I didn't want to forget. So Joe Neistead. Mm-hmm. He's making his run, right? After rounders, they get into single elimination. Again, for those of you listening who maybe don't know about the pro shootout, you have rounders in the morning. Rounders kind of kind of seed you, and then you play single elimination rest of the day and literally survive and advance all the way to the finals. Um, rounders, is, rounders is the only time that you're allowed to lose. So Joe Neistat, after rounders, is going through his day, right? Win, 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 win. All of a sudden, he runs into Philip Lopez. And Philip has been playing really good this year. Sure. And and I was thinking about you the entire time when I was watching this match. <laughs> so Joe Neistad is down. And I can't remember. I think he was down 9-2. to two. Philip's playing great, right? All That's of round, a sudden, li- round limited. limited. That's round limited, stuff. too. Yes, yes, and round limited uh, to, to 12 rounds in the, uh, in the single elimination. And uh, anyway, so Joe Neistad is down early in the rounds, maybe round four. And four or five, somewhere around there. He's down like nine to two to Philip Lopez. And Joe Neistead throws a block. And Philip Lopez decides to airmail and missed it. No big deal, right? It's one shot, no big deal. And, uh, and then goes for it again on, on, on his third bag now and, and misses another airmail. All of a sudden, he gives up a couple of points, right? Last four rounds. Again, this is with Joe Neistead trailing. Last four rounds, Joe scores a two. A five because Lopez again went for a couple of airmails after a block. You realize we were doing this game together. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you were there. <laughs> Sorry, we did so many. I know. I know so he know. scored a two, a two, a five, a two, and a four. Yeah. Joe did and beat Philip. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So I guess we don't need to talk about this then. No, I, I just didn't. thought about you because, because I feel like you and I are, are air on, especially, especially in round limited play. I feel like you and I air on being a little bit more conservative with play. So we, talk, we talked about it during the game. He was chasing points in a yes. round limited format and it cost him the game. It was a game he literally had won. All he had to do was force Joe to hit an airmail to get two points. That's, yes. that's how you play those rounds. And then if he hits it, great, you give up two, but you're not giving up these giant fours, five, you know, and it's just, and it was almost as if I wanted to stand up and stop him and say, think for a second. Yes. What are you doing? Think yeah, take a, a like take a timeout. That's when you need like a yeah. coach. You know, you, let's like call him a timeout. Round, yeah, and it, and look, he's a he's a rookie in by name only, but he's still a rookie. He's probably never played in a round limited formatted game before, so he's still playing his game. Right? It's never it's not even occurring to him that oh man, wait a minute, this is a twelve round game. And then once it was over, I'm sure he thought to himself, wow, all I had to do was just kind of. You know, go in behind, go in behind, go in behind, force him to hit a big airmail to get two points. You know, if you do that enough, you're probably winning. Yes. And, and it's just people forget. And I think a lot of this rookie class that's never done it before, I think some of them, I don't know if they struggle is the right word, but I think some of them was the first time they had to think differently during a game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the strategy is so critical in these round limited. So, again, to go to our point and, and um, you know, kind of uh, – uh, justify why we talk about this. So I literally ran after Joe Neistat after after that <laughs> match to try and find him. 
And I said, man, I said, I said, you know, I said, do you have anywhere to go? And he's like, he's like, no, I'm, you know, I'm not, not playing right now. It's going to be a few minutes. I said, I said, can you just help me break down what just happened against Philip? Like what, what could Philip have done differently to stop that freight train from coming at him and losing? Yeah. And, and Joe's such a nice guy. So, I mean, this, this is no dig on Philip, but Joe said, I can't believe he didn't block in behind me. That's it, which is what we talk about all the time. Yeah. So, so that's fine. Joe lays a block, right? And fine. You know, put the level one, one and a half, whatever good block. Go right in behind. Go right. He, he said, I can't believe, I can't believe he took the bait is basically what Joe was saying in a very nice yeah. way. Cause he's such a nice guy, but basically yeah. he was saying, I can't believe he took the bait. He said, because it, he said, if it were me, I would have I would have blocked in behind that bag and then put all the pressure on Joe. Right. Joe said if I were Philip, I would have blocked in behind my bag. Now it puts the pressure on me to shoot the airmails. If I hit him, great, fine. Then you deserve to win. But right. chances are he's not going to hit him. He couldn't believe that Philip wasn't blocking in behind. Yeah. We've talked about the percentages on that a million times now. At the best, you're talking Jimmy McGuffin, Matt Guy, and a couple others. At the best with airmails around 60%, maybe a little above. And, you know, if they have a special game, maybe it's higher than that, right? You can't go chasing points when those are the percentages when you know that you can just put a bag right in behind. Yeah. Right? I mean, right. I, and it's just – but that's a learning. You know, that's that's a lesson. I'm, I, I would I'd be willing to bet my life the next time Philip Lopez is in a, is in a <laughs> shootout and he has that same situation happen, that bag will be right in behind. I mean, it's just <laughs> – well, and selfishly, here it's selfishly, here was the great moment. Going up to a pro and having a pro ACL player validate everything we were just talking about in the air. All the time. Because there's been many times I go up to a pro and ask him a question, and basically I feel like an idiot. So, right. So this well, was, this was this was a nice change of pace for me. It, it was I talked to Jamie Graham a little bit a couple of different times during the shootout. And you know, last year he was I would say critical is probably a, a decent word for it. He just he hated the fact that he didn't have time if he got down nine five, let's say, to like come back and win the game because you know he's a very deliberate player. He's not going to take a ton of chances. Yeah, and, and he's you know he talked about how he's completely changed his mindset and how he's attacking early to get a lead, and then you just you wash people to death, right? And, you know, once you get a lead in in a round limited format, just wash people to death. You don't have to force things. You right. don't have to play the way you normally play. And it's an adjustment for players. Yeah, so much fun. I, again, and I know I've mentioned this before, that's why I like both. I, I, constantly, I love it. I, I constantly get the question from people, which way do you like best? Do you like the round limitations or do you like you know traditional first one to 21? I like both. like both. I really like both. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want just one or just the other. I mean, if I had to choose one, traditional first one to 21, fine. Yeah. But I love having both. Love having both. It's so much better for TV. And that's the one thing I think they're going to start understanding that for the ad, like when it's round limited, all of a sudden, let's say you're down nine, five and you're in round 10, 11, you've got to start taking real chances. You've got to start hitting shots that quite frankly, only professionals can hit. Yes. Now they're not going to hit them a high percentage of time, but the only people that can really hit those shots are the people that are on that television. And so you're, you're, you're watching them get forced into shots that they normally wouldn't try and it's so much more fun. But to that point, I'm with you. I mean, if you really held a gun to my head and said, all right, which one do you like? I mean, yeah. I mean, the game to 21, that's traditional. That's how it's, yeah. that's how it's played. But from a TV perspective, man, you can't beat Roundland. 
and, and the drama. There were a couple yeah. times during the broadcast. I said to Trey, I'm like, man, dude, like you can't literally you could if someone had dropped their pen, it would have been like a lightning strike. I mean, you the, the tension in that room was yeah. thick. It was thick. It was awesome. Because let's say I don't want to call Tanner out, but he he had a couple of rounds that he would like to have back, I think, against Jamie. If that game's to 21, he's not worried about those rounds at all, right? They don't bother him. Like, you know, I'll get those points back. It's not a big deal. It's round limited. You've got a very small window against the best player in the world to get that back. And you could tell he started to try to force things. And then, it, you know, that's just, yep. it's so, it's so different. And that's, that's why, I don't know, man, maybe, maybe if a gun was point, point, put to my head, I might like round limited better because it forces so many different things from people. I, I, I don't know. That's a, it does. And, that's and it an puts, interesting I, question. I feel like it puts a lot of pressure too. And I talked about this. I feel like, ad nauseum on the uh, on the the live streams but how are you going to handle playing with the lead you know because i think it put, it's, it's like in basketball you you can uh, you you and i see it all the time you can let your foot off the gas too early i mean i know we were talking about philip lopez being too aggressive but on the flip side you got to be careful because you still got to be you right i mean you still yeah. have to you still have to take your shots take your chances but you have to be selective and you can't let your foot up off the glass too soon or off the gas too too soon. Otherwise, you're in trouble on that end, too. So I don't know. I'm with you. I mean, there's a lot of different dynamics. I thought Trey Ryder had a great comment on the streaming stuff <laughs> of course the he next did. day. Of course he did. Trey right? always has a great comment. But he talked about how the best players in round limits, you know, a lot of the pros can can score early. A lot of them can hit a big airmail late, right? The problem is they kind of forget that in rounds four, five, six, and seven, it still matters. So if you're not completely focused and all of a sudden you give up a two and then a three or a two and a four and like what happened and that's when they lose the match. Right. Yes. And and that's they people forget that critical. Yeah. I I, I can't I can't I can't tell you the number of players who I talked to where they were so frustrated after losing because literally one round. Yeah. can change everything. And that's exactly what happened with Jamie Graham. I don't know. I said this during the broadcast, but for those who didn't hear it. In, in the semifinals and in the championship, round six completely turned his match around in both mm-hmm. those. He was down big to Joe Neistead, scored two points in round six, and went on to win it. Totally changed that match, just one round. Same thing against, against Tanner. Round six, he put up that big six spot and then, and then went on to, to win it. So round six, like you're talking about the middle rounds, I mean, every single round matters. It's yeah, crazy. Ta- talking about Jamie, I, you know, I don't think Jamie ever thought he was going to lose. And I think that's a difference between Jamie and some of the other players, even when he was down and he was in trouble against Joe Neistat. He was in real trouble. I don't think he ever thought he was going to lose that match. I don't. I, 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 really, I, I really don't think he did. I think he knew some way, somehow he was going to win that match. And it I, worked I, out. I totally agree with you, Bernie. And, and he and I, Jamie and I had a long conversation um, after that night was done and he had already won. And I really feel like, you know, we, we constantly break down the bag, the throw, the mechanics. Um, but the difference between 2021 Jamie Graham oh. and 2022 Jamie Graham might just be here, Bernie. It's the six inches. It between might just the be here. Yep. Yeah. 
Yep. And I realize, I realize he's taking more time and that's frustrating people. And if we want to have a shot clock someday, I'm fine with that. You and I talked about it during the live streams, yeah. but shoot, man. And maybe it's just because I, I come from baseball. There are pictures, there are pictures. I've, I've mentioned this before. Steve Traxel, look it up. The dude took forever yeah. to pitch the ball, but you know what? He won. There yeah. are some, there are, some, I mean, we used to call them human rain delays, but you yeah. know what? They were good. And it just happens. It's sports, right? Everyone has different techniques. I mean, don't they have a don't they have a pitch clock now in minor league? Yeah, they do. Yep. Isn't that yep. crazy? You, you rarely see it enforced. I mean, the last yeah, it's been it's been a few years now because of cornhole. It's been a few years since I've done baseball, but um, but yeah, they, they rarely enforce it. But yeah, it is it is there. All right. Speaking of the big win for Fire Cornhole and <laughs> Jason Graham this weekend, that is a perfect segue. As we bring in our good friend of the show and the owner, founder of Fire Cornhole, Jason McCannon. What's Hello. up, brother? Hey, how you guys doing? Appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. All right. So real quick. So while we're talking about this, we I mean, I'm sure I think you could hear us back, back yeah. in the uh, in the green room. But, you know, J Jamie and I've talked a lot this season. We talked about bags. We talked about mechanics. Um, he's even been helping me with my mechanics. But but truly, Jason, I, I really feel like this 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 approach of his to slow things down um, is working for him. I mean, is it, Do you feel like that's the big difference for him this year? Just, just what's between his ears. I, I just feel like Jamie is uh, to me, you know, I tell people, I think he's the most strategic, you know, player in Cornhole. He, he thinks about every shot, every, you know, you know, like Matt guy, he's not thinking Matt's going to slide it. If, if, if it's not there to slide, he's going to air melt it, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, but Jamie is calculating every shot. He's thinking ahead, you know, what's going to happen the next round. And, and he's always just, you know, in his head, I guess, but it works for him. Um, Do you feel like he's mentally tougher this year than last year? Oh, yeah. Than last year. Yeah. He, he, he's got that, you know, if you, if you go back to 2020, um, that week at worlds where he, you know, dominated, I remember, I'm not sure which event it was, but I was at home and I, and I saw, saw it on television and you know i was sitting here with my wife and some friends and i said he's not gonna lose all week you, you could see you know he when he's got that look that killer jamie graham like i don't care who i'm playing you know he's he's up there with the best you know him matt ryan windsor that's that's my three top three in the world have you uh have you noticed i mean i i talked to jamie this weekend or last weekend i should say and he he made mention that he's specifically trying to play differently now in the shootout. I think last year it was in his head. I think everything was kind of in his head last year a little bit, but I think he's approaching the shootout completely with a different mindset, get out early. And then if you got to, you know, just, you know, just wash him to death if you need to, but get out early and just kind of control the match early instead of worrying about trying to come from behind and then running out of time. Right. I, I think the shootout, you definitely have to play different. Um, I haven't talked to Jamie so much about that, but I have with Eric. You know, Eric likes to do that muck up game and then, you know, get the big points. But Eric Davis can go hole for hole with anyone, you know. So, you know, I tell him in the shootouts, he needs to try that strategy. And then if the opportunity presents itself for him to do his junkie game, then and take advantage once once the opponent's missed. But you don't want to give up a four or five early and then have, you know, limited number of rounds to, to get those points back. By the way, we just got to step back real quick for those who are <laughs> new to the sport. Well, actually, let's step way back. I don't. I don't know if you noticed. I, 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 I wore, are, you, are you seeing this crap? I wore. Right a, I, I wore a special shirt oh. for you today. 
Uh, yes, well, just, just I, I just I gotta, I gotta stretch real quick just to. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is this is, this is not tight. the first time he's done this to me, Jason. I was a little little tight, so I just wanted yeah. to uh, to stretch. Oh, let me pour, let me pour my water here. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Cheers, Bernie. Yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So for those who don't know, again, this is Jason McCann of Fire Cornhole. And for those new to the sport, you know, sometimes Jason, I like to, like you and I talked about this morning, I kind of like to step back because right. with Bernie and I's show with Borderline, sometimes we're getting some people who listen to the show who aren't pros, right? They're not necessarily avid cornhole fans. So for those who don't know, Fire Cornhole, you guys actually sign players. Correct. So, so, so when we're talking about Jamie Graham, Jamie Graham is a fire player, Matt Guy fire cornhole sponsor player uh by the way congratulations uh, eric davis and brett guy again two more fire cornhole guys who right. won on the double side so um I, I mean if you can jason i mean do, are you kind of like almost i mean you're a bag manufacturer you make cornhole bags and obviously all your apparel are do you kind of also work as an agent as well um not so much an agent but you know i do like to you know give these guys as, as much advice as i can on um you know, how to be more successful, uh, you know, like I was telling you earlier, you know, talent wise, you know, we have some of the best players in the world or the best players in the world. So, you know, they're going to, they're going to achieve the cornhole, I guess, status just from, from their, their wins and playing. But, you know, this right. sport is growing to a point where, you know, the professional side of it is where there, you know, there's a, you know another way to make money. And that, that's the stuff that, you know, all these players need to work on. There's, you know, you can't, you can't really fault any of the players because professional cornhole is, is new. These guys haven't been taught and trained and, and gone to class like all these other, you know, different sports. But yeah, um, it, it's getting to that point. And so, you know, the, the 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 player who is a top tier player who gets himself elevated to that professional level first is going to be the one who I think reaps the benefits from that. I've got. I want to talk about a different fire player. Uh oh. And, and it's a fire player <laughs> that I think has really really large upside if she can get out of her own way i i think kaylee hunter i mean obviously the the female game is kind of run by cheyenne renner right now there's no way right. around it right but from a talent perspective there's only two or three that i think can really go up against cheyenne talent for talent right now and kaylee's one of them i just don't think she believes that yet and yeah. and the day that she does I think you might have another champion on your hand with fire cornhole. Oh, Doc, I, I agree with you. I mean, Kaylee, I, I think she has a little more confidence than you think. She's beaten Cheyenne heads up several yeah. times. Um, you know, she just hasn't, I guess, you know, Cheyenne dominates more, you know, on the circuit and, and, and whatever. But, I mean, Cheyenne, to me, if you say who's the best female player, you're going to get one answer. It's Cheyenne. Yeah. Then there's, you know, the next. If you say who's the best male player, you might get – three to five to six different answers, but Cheyenne is clearly at the top. Um, and I think she is in a lot of people's heads, but I don't think she's in Kaylee's head anymore. Um, I, th I think Kaylee has the confidence to go up against Cheyenne and, um, you know, as much work as she's putting in, Kaylee's going to, you're going to see her, you know, yeah, I mean, I, uh, just when you, when you watch her play and it's the reason I got on the Cheyenne train yeah. a year and a half ago, is just when you watch someone play, you can tell, well, that person's better than other people. Right. Yeah. Like w whether they're winning or not, you can just see the talent, right? And I and just the way she throws the bag, the what what she can do with it, it's different than a lot of other women. 
And so I, I think the talent's there. I just, I'm, I'm waiting. That doubles win was big. Right. Right. With her and Megan. I just, I'm, I'm waiting for that big singles moment for her. Yeah. I think kind of, Kaylee was more, it's, it's about the nerves of the big stage versus the right. nerves of, you know, like a Cheyenne maybe. Um, but yeah, she, she's, you know, practice makes perfect. The more she's up there, the more she gets that experience, you know, she's going to, she'll break through and, and get a victory. So how much do you hear from your players? Sorry, Jeff. One more. I got, I got one more. How much do you yeah. hear from your players? The stress of the lights. We talk about it all the time on streaming. I know Jeff and Trey talk about it. It's different from playing out on the floor all day. And then you right. get to that stage. It's just different. And I mean, I think most of the players I have, uh, you know, like I said, Kaylee has mentioned it. Uh, Eric says he's nervous, but I mean, Eric never looks nervous. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I think Jamie and Matt are fine. Brett, I think they're all fine with it. Yeah. Megan, I haven't really talked to her much about, you know, the pressure on the lights, but, you know, I think, you know, she, she's another killer. You know, her her and Kaylee, I, to me, I think I think that's the best team in the women's division. Well, Trey, Trey talks about it all the time. The solution to the nerves on TV is experience, right? It's, it's number of appearances and it's experience. And I can honestly say this weekend, I don't think I saw nerves at all with Jamie Graham. Right. I, I, I feel like Jamie, I feel like Matt Guy, even Cheyenne, even though I, I know she does still get a little bit nervous, I, I think I'm starting to see them really get used to being on TV. Like Connie Altice, uh, she really kind of seems comfortable now on TV. I mean, I'm really starting to see some of these top players um, really perform at night, just like they do during the day. Yeah, I think I think you know some of them are going to thrive. Some of them want that spotlight. That's true. Uh, yeah, like Jamie, I think I don't think he has nerves. I think he he wants he he has nerves situational during a, a match. Maybe this on the broadcast, but right. I don't think he has nerves from the broadcast itself. Hey, one more question about your team as far as far as rivalries and and you know I, maybe I'm the only one who who likes this, um, but I, I really like I like stats and I like numbers. I love I love championships. And Trey Ryder during the offseason, um, bef- before before the sport grew and, and grows too much, and it just gets just really unwieldy to be able to go back and look at all the numbers, Trey went back and basically put together our all-time winners. Because mm-hmm. on the broadcast, we kept saying, you know, Matt Guy is the all-time winningest player. But I wanted a number, like quantify that for me. Like in golf, we know what Jack Nicholas's Majors. number is, right? And you know, Sam Snead, 82, most wins. You know, in NASCAR, they've got they've got their most wins as, as a driver, most wins as an owner, NFL championships. Uh, I mean, we we debated all the time, Bernie and I, and now you and I with Kansas championships versus North Carolina versus Kentucky. You, you still got a long you know? way to go, Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> However, <laughs> what have you done for me lately? Yeah, yeah, that last season's over, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I can still enjoy it. I can still enjoy it. But anyway, so, I mean, so we, I, you know, I've, I've really been wanting these numbers, right? And so now, Jason, we've got them. Right. Like Matt Guy is our jack, right? right? Instead of 18 majors, it's 17. Right now, Matt Guy, all-time career leader, leader in, in, in you know, major titles, career title wins yeah. in the ACL with 17. However, after this weekend, all of a sudden, look who's right there knocking on the door. Jamie Graham with 15. 15. Uh, I mean, is, is this, is, do you, I mean, is it just me <laughs> making something out of this or do you think at some point the players are actually going to like this also? Oh, well, I love it. And, and, you know, that's, that was the whole philosophy behind fire. You know, when, when I was um, creating the company, 
back, you know, a couple of years ago, the, the problem in the industry was production. The sport was growing so, so rapidly that the companies that were there couldn't keep up with production. And I was fortunate enough to get linked up with a manufacturer here in High Point, North Carolina, where I live. And so I knew I had production. I just had to figure out how to sell bags. And so, you know, I wanted the best players in the world. So to me, <laughs> that's, that's the two best players in the world. Matt, Matt Guy, Jamie Graham, put them together and, well, you know, let's try to make some bags and sell them. So are, are they going to talk about it at all? I mean, do you think this is a big deal for them at all? I mean, do, do you think Jamie knows he's only two? Oh, they know. They behind? absolutely know. The rivalry? Oh, yeah. well, they who, know. What's third? I want to know what third is. Like, how? what's the gap to third? Do you know that stat? Uh, that's it's, a pretty big gap. I can't remember it. It's no, a it, uh, third, probably third is... No, no, third is third is um I can actually look it up while you guys talk, but um <laughs> third, well actually I don't want to do it because I'm afraid I'm gonna lose you guys. Third, yeah. I think third was eleven. And was it Adam it, Cody, maybe or no, I think is it Birchfield? Eleven. Uh, it, it, Bernie, does that sound right? I, I, I know eleven. I, I, I know I don't 11 know. All I know is there's a 12-year-old that's sneaking into the top oh, 10. Oh, Alex is I mean, it's a cold blooded killer right there. <laughs> the number, the number is the numbers are 17, 15, 11, and 9. Okay. And then there's a few at eight, and then it kind of drops off after that. Yeah, but I can't. I can't remember who was eleven now. Can, can I, we I, talk about that kid for a second? Oh, I mean, what? I mean, seriously. So, I'll twelve give you years. What, what were you doing at twelve? Right. I, I mean, so, what you know, were you doing at twelve years old? I, I live in cornhole country. You know, we have the, the Gore twins, Jack and Jake. Yeah. Extremely talented, and can go up against Alex or anyone else in the country at any time. Right. The thing that impresses me the most about Alex Hicks is when I saw him play Matt Guy at that open where I think Matt Guy made like 50 bags in a row. <laughs> so, yeah. Like the kid, he he yes. never like even realized Matt threw 50 in a row. He just he kept doing his game. You know, at 12 years old to not get flustered by someone not like missing a bag, you know, yeah. and just keeping your composure. That's That's what most impresses me about him. I mean, he can throw him in the hole. A lot of people can do that, but. His, his ability to stay focused on the game and not get rattled is just – it's well beyond the, the age of 12. Yeah. All right. Last thing I'm going to say about Alex, what happens after puberty when he has to ditch the two-step – because he has a two-step approach. Hmm. So nice. the, ti- the timing's going to be off when he – That's an Anthony Aon question. I, I know, right? The, the timing's, <laughs> timing's going to be off. He's going to get too big for two steps. So mm-hmm. will that change his game? Will he be the same player? Just these thoughts that run through my brain, Jason. Right. All right. By the way, I hope I'm not railroading the uh, video here uh, when I pull this up, but I've got the list. Here he goes. Okay. This this whole right. thing is getting ready to go Third down. Third I, I, this 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 could shock both of you and everyone who's listening. Ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Third the two play. that are the two the, the top three. I was right. So Matt Guy, 17 all-time career ACL titles. Now this includes. Open titles, national titles, and shootout titles. Mm-hmm. And it also includes singles and doubles. So Matt Guy, all-time, number one, with 17. Jamie Graham, number two at 15. Trey Birchfield, number three at 11. Guess who is now number four after this past weekend? Oh, after Cheyenne, I would say. No. Brett no. Guy. Your Brett. boy. Brett Guy, oh, Jason, yeah. has nine. Wow. Yeah, because, I mean... The season he had last year, you know. Yeah. He, yep, three came on the double side. Yeah, and then he won singles last year. Um, he won a shootout, the first yep. shootout of the year. Yep. And then uh, James Baldwin uh, is in fifth with seven. Eric Davis now has seven. Ryan Windsor has seven. 
Jordan Camba has six, Adam Hissner has six, and then it starts to drop off after that. I want so out of the top, you're saying like <laughs> six or seven, that's like four fire players. Yeah, well, <laughs> nice <laughs> advertisement. Jeff, Jeff just walked into an advertisement. Wow, right okay. I, I'm saying I'm saying you've got a you yeah, I'm saying you've got a, a fairly good staff right now. Well, you know, it, and by the way, I do appreciate it. My, my and, and I, I we were talking about this weekend. I, I really I'm not just saying this because because yeah. I consider you a friend of mine. Um, the fire assault bags I've really enjoyed playing with and, yeah. and I and I appreciate my fire hoodie. I was actually going to wear my fire hoodie today. But two things. Right. One, it's 160 degrees outside here in Charleston. <laughs> and two, I just could not pass up wearing. some. Jackets. Well, I've never been given a piece of fire <laughs> apparel. What, what, what's that all about? Well, I bought my bag. I bought my bags. <laughs> It's, I, it's, I did get a hoodie though. Rachel at firecornhole.com, Bertie. Hit her up. We'll send you whatever you want. All right. Hey, uh, Jason, to wrap things up again, just a couple fun questions. Uh, we've only got a couple minutes left here, but uh, I told you I wanted to to talk to you about this. Um, you know, for those who listen to who the to the podcast, um, family members, like I told you, college buddies of mine. I mean, you know, pe- people are just novices of the game. Um. How 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 big can you tell us like like tell us the dimensions of the of the bag like how do you make a cornhole bag what is it made of is it like NASCAR where they're all the same but but yet you can make little tweaks like how how do you make a cornhole bag yeah there's uh so there's like the standard size it's six by six one pound and like an inch and a quarter thickness but there's you know little variants you can have you know it can be so far out of all those parameters um it's got to be you know a fabric that doesn't damage or, or or scuff the board in any way and then the inside material you know typically corn for most people but you know we don't use corn because it breaks down and it turns to powder and it changes the the weight of the bags so we use a synthetic plastic resin um wait a that, second wait, wait, wait are there actually people out there who still use corn in their bag. Oh, yeah. oh, I mean, not, not in competitive. Corn not competitive either, but yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot of corn, corn filled cornhole bags. sold. <laughs> oh my God. I thought we were light years past no, actual corn and cornhole bags now. Yeah. They're all from Iowa. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and Kansas, corn, right? corn is much cheaper than the, than the resin we use. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So six by six and, right. and it has to be a pound. Like, are, like, are there, are there, are there little variances in there that that the that right. the league get, gives yeah, you? Yeah, so like, I think I think it's a pound, and then it can be you know fifteen down to fifteen five or up to sixteen point two five. Okay. Um, and same with the six by six. There's a little you know five and three quarter to six and a quarter. You can round the corners as long as everything you know fits within the little template they have. So yeah, um, you know the ACL has really set the standard for equipment. And um, just just to speak to the ACL real quick, polarizing figure, Stacy Moore. <laughs> hate him or love him the, the guy has taken you know a, a sport uh, a hobby a, a whatever a tailgating you know venture that everyone loves to do and, and just taking it to the next level so you know kudos to stacy for everything he's done i've known him for years and you know don't always agree with you know his policies or what he does <laughs> but the man has really taken a sport to the next level and, and i'm grateful to be a part of it yeah it seems like most articles that i read or videos I watch start with 
what started out as a backyard game dot dot right. dot yeah 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 okay one more thing and, and i i knew this was going to be a problem I, I knew i'd have too much to ask you and we'd have too much to talk about and, running and out of two, time two we'll minutes. Time. We, got, we got like two minutes left um real quick kudos to you and if you could just speak to real quick again i use the nascar analogy but when i talked to jamie at the beginning of the season he said jason got me the bag i wanted you know, kudos to you and the communication that you guys had in the offseason to build him the bag that he right. wanted. And that's why I brought in the NASCAR um, analogy, because just like a driver and a crew chief and an owner have to have communication, yeah. the, 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 the player and you, the bag manufacturer, have to have that communication. So what was that like in the offseason? Just real quick, the, 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 the discussions that you guys had to come together. Well, you know, when we started as a company, I'm trying to make this quick. You know, the ACL has guidelines and rules as to when you can create and release new products. So when, when fire came into the, the picture, we, we had a short time. We had a month to, to get products available. So we, we did the best that we could in, the, in that timeline. And then we had to wait until we were allowed again to introduce new products. So, you know, we knew the stuff that, that the players wanted and needed, but we had to wait until, you know, the rules permitted for us to do that. And so, Wow. Um, you know, we, we just tested all the fabrics. We just are constantly getting materials in, making prototypes, sending it to the players. And then they tell us what they like. And, and that's what we go with. So, wow. Yeah, a lot, lot of input from the players. That's yeah. so much That's so much like golf. Right. I mean, like if you go to the PGA Tour, every one of those sets of clubs is nothing like you buy at home. Right. And that's another great analogy. Yep. They're completely dialed in for every player. Yeah. Well, that, that all right. So we got 30 seconds left, so we got to run. But hey, hey, thank you so much for coming on. That I, I would like to continue this conversation some other time because there's a lot to dive into Let's there. It, yeah. All the different, all the different conversations you guys had behind the scenes. But, um, dude, thanks so much for your time. I know you don't do these very often. How many shots did you have before you came on? I did drink a beer. I'm not gonna lie. To you. <laughs> it's like you sit under the lights, you know. <laughs> my fourth or fifth podcast. So, dude, seriously, this was so much fun. Great job, and uh, we'll we'll see you out west here on the on the tour coming up. All right, all right, all right Jason. This, that's Jason McCannon, and uh, dude, Bernie, we gotta go. We got five seconds left. Always. All right, episode thirty in the books. We'll see you next week. See ya. All right, bye everybody.